Welcome to Books on Air, the podcast that tells the story behind the book. It includes insights from authors about how they compose their work, what inspires them, and what they hope you'll take away from their book. Here's your host for this episode of Books on Air, Suzanne Harris. Welcome to the Books on Air podcast. I'm Sloan Fremont, filling in for Suzanne Harris. This is a podcast where listeners get the secret story behind every book. Joining me today is Amanda Tweed, author of the book, Trapped by the Devil. Trapped by the Devil is based on a true story of how Kate Spencer made one single decision, which took her on the path of destruction for 15 years. The author of this gripping story explains how Kate endured mental health illness, domestic abuse, prison, heroin, crack cocaine addiction, and spiritual bondage. If you want inspiration on how you can manifest your dreams, you need to read this book. If you do not believe that you can overcome anything, read this book and it will change your mind. Amanda, welcome to the Books on Air podcast. I'm so happy you're here. Hello. Thank you for having me. <laughs> yeah. So you have an amazing story. I was reading through um, the information about it and I am really excited to talk to you. So let's start out by telling the audience just a little bit about yourself and what led you to write your book, Trapped by the Devil. Yes. Um so a little bit about myself I as as in the introduction you mentioned that um Kate Spencer that's the pen name of the person in the book she goes through drug addiction she goes through abuse which is I say she it is myself um and I think what really led me was because I was in such a, a dark and lonely place I often used to look for somebody who had made it, who had come out of drug addiction. Mm -hmm. I'd heard of lots of people that had gone into prison um, for maybe three, four years. And when they came out of prison, they were, uh, I I don't want to say clean from drugs, but they were off drugs. But that was because of a long prison cell, prison sentence rather. But I could still see the telltale signs that that person was once a drug addict. So they, they didn't come across as completely free um and and that is what I actually wanted that was my my internal um prayer that I just want to be free and I I was looking everywhere for this one person who must have there's got to be somebody who who really has come away from drugs and I became what I was looking for um Um, overnight that (laughs) gave me chills when you said that (laughs) yeah yeah it was um Sorry. Well, and that's amazing because you, like you're saying, you were looking outside of yourself, looking for something, someone else, like looking for that example when all along you were the example, you were the example that you were looking for. So tell Mm -hmm. us about that. So the book is based on uh, your life and what you went through and and Kate Spencer is the character's name in the book. Um, Mm -hmm. So tell us maybe how, how, what, how this whole process started for you of destruction and what you went through and um how were you able to get to that point where you you became what you were looking for so it all started back in 1996 and in the book I I take readers right through I take readers from my childhood so that you can see um the, the sort of upbringing that I had and and the upbringing that I had did not it, it didn't really point to the to that place. It, there was no clues that I was going to end up doing what I'd done. So what I did was I defrauded my employers 1.3 million in 1996. Mm-hmm. And so subsequently I went to prison and, and, and I was a young adult. I say young adult. I was in my, my late 20s and I hadn't 
heard I'd heard of heroin of course I'd heard of it because it's something that you can see in the media but I knew nothing about it and I'd heard about crack cocaine again I knew nothing about it um when I was in prison I didn't really see that side of of prison life um because there was a lot of women that were like myself in for the first time um for fraud offenses or non um drug related offenses so I didn't really see it um but because it was such a, a high profile crime, I attracted the wrong people. Mm-hmm. I attracted people that that were had been had been criminal criminals for many, many years and actually saw a diamond. Or there's a woman that defrauded one point three million in six months. She must know something. So mm-hmm. that is how I attracted my abuser. But being extremely vulnerable, I didn't recognize the signs. And if I'm honest, I think I was overwhelmed that, oh, my God, somebody, you know, I thought my life had ended. I thought nobody would ever want to date a jailbird. Right. So, um, yeah. So I, I started a relationship with this man. And then when I got released from prison in um, I think it was 1998, he also got released a few months later. And within a few weeks, the abuse, it was the abuse was was mental um and it happened so quickly it happened it it appears that it happened overnight because my my thinking had completely changed it's a very powerful thing that my abuser done um and then before you know it I'm faced with heroin um and I was told you take this heroin or I will throw your child over a balcony and I will abuse your child because I, I had a seven-year-old with me mm-hmm. and so I I said no I'll, I'll take the beating let me take the beating because yeah. I, I can't take this heroin so this this abuse mental abuse physical abuse went on for um it seemed like it it seemed like forever but it happened it, was over and done with very quickly if if that yeah. kind of makes sense and then yeah. um I saw that he wasn't going to back down so I said okay give me the heroin let me take it um and because it was smoked and it wasn't injected I thought I'll pretend to take it oh, and yeah. then the next opportunity me and my son will run but as soon as I took the heroin instantly at the blink of an eye I had instant hatred towards myself but um at the same time, I had instant forgiveness for my abuser. Um, wow. And yeah, it filled that, you know, the, the, the mental abuse was you're not worth nothing, you're hopeless, um, all the other name calling, which I won't mention on the podcast, I'm sure that the listeners can use their imagination. Right. Um, and so that heroin, that feeling of, oh, everything is okay. It's a false sense of peace. Mm-hmm. It just washed, it washed everything away, including my parental instincts. Um, and that was the beginning of, of the journey of destruction. I went in, I, the, the, the way that I went in, um, it was a shock. It was an absolute shock to everybody who knew me because there was no indication none whatsoever but that's how I entered that path um so, so the embezzling was the was the the start of the process that then yeah. and then you connected and what prompted that what Say that again sorry what was so for the I'm just curious and I'm not trying to get too personal so if you don't want to answer that's fine but was the embezzlement did something happen that 
you needed money and that's why you did that? Or why, why did you take the funds? Greed. Ah, yeah. Simple question. Greed. Because simple answer rather, because life, I'd had a son, I had a son and I was a single parent and I was, I I say greed, it, it was greed, but I've got, and I always have had, I don't want to say a Robin Hood character because I don't habitually take from the rich and give to the poor, but it really pains my soul when I see people suffering. Um, And there is an example in the book, um, Trapped by the Devil, where I speak of an old lady. When I was little, I saw her struggling with a kettle and she had poor personal hygiene, but I just felt drawn because it's as if I could hear the cry in her soul and I, I just attended to this lady so gently and 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 my parents remember that incident there's very special moments um there was also a, a drug addict that we just instantly did not like each other there was a personality clash I still don't know what it was to this day but that lady she ended up dying in front of me she actually overdosed and died and I, she was there with her two brothers and I just put everything aside, put my addiction aside, got up, went over, gave her the breath of life and brought her back to life. And when I saw that she was alive, I was like, okay, so you're alive. And I walked away. So there's a, there's a force within me that I'm not going to say it doesn't tolerate um, seeing people without, but it's, it's very painful. And I, I saw a lot of that when I when I was working for my employers. I'm not saying that I'm not justifying the reason at all. It's just sort of my my makeup. Um, so when I say greed, yes, it, it was. Yes, I'd like a better life. I would I would like to buy my son um, more of this and more of that. Right. So that was probably the influencing factor that triggered me. But once I was in it, because like I said, it was for six months. I didn't really spend much of that money on myself. I paid my parents but I couldn't see my parents struggling to pay rent it was hard so I would I would go in their room and and take their rent book because they had rent books back then and I would pay like 12 months rent and not tell them I would see children that were deprived and had holes in their shoes and I would make a mental note go off and buy them really extravagant things and just leave it on their doorstep and and the prison sentence that I got warranted six years but when the police arrested me and saw these documents, they were shaking their head. They couldn't, they was like, we don't understand. You don't have a drug addiction. You, we, we don't understand why you've done it. And then, of course, when I went in front of the judge, he also had compassion. He had mercy and he gave me 18 months. And they said, we don't want any of the money back. Just just go and do your 18 months in prison. Wow. So, yeah, th- there was a lot of... I'm going to say supernatural because they're not natural. They're not, they're not natural. There's a lot of things that I see that are not natural, but yeah. I just have this compelling force that humanity should not be suffering. Maybe I went the wrong way about it, but um, that is, that was kind of my trigger. And yes, I'm going to say there was greed involved because I did, I did lust for a better life and for other things. So it was a combination of both. Yeah. Wow. What a remarkable story. And so you, you went through this and, and you went to prison and you met this man and, and what was his, his intent of having you smoke heroin or like, was it a control thing? Was he trying to control you? Is that another level of control? 
yes yes it was yes because it wasn't just the heroin he wanted to um groom me so he wanted to do my well he didn't want to he actually did he he criticized my toenails he said they're ugly let me fix them and he got um, a nail file and I had no toenails left my feet were bleeding he cut my hair my hair was really short and then he wanted to put the curling tongs in and, and he burnt my forehead um, and I flinched and, and he he got really angry and said, I'm in control here. You know, I it's me. I'm not going to hurt you. You need to trust me. So he had trust issues. But I later found out his um, his upbringing wasn't very good. I'm not making excuses for him. But I when when something happens, I like to understand why a person does what they do rather than jump in and say, you're good, you're bad. It, what is your why? That's always been, I've always been inquisitive. Um, but yeah, but he, I see he certainly went the wrong way about it um, yeah. with wanting control. Yeah, and, yeah. I, and I, I can understand what you're saying when you, you want to understand why somebody does something because generally people do things that they think are right for some reason. Yeah. Right. They're doing something for some reason that they think is right. And understanding that 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 why behind it can help put things into perspective. It sounds like in this case, obviously, he was way on the extreme end of things, but that took you on such a a. I, I, don't, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but the journey that you went on because of that then, and, and here we are today talking about your book, Trapped by the Devil. So tell us, tell us about Kate Spencer. Does, does your story come through Kate? Is there, is, is Kate you in the story or can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes, Kate is me. Um, but because of the, um, I forget what the publishers called it, but obviously there's, there's legal reasons why, um, I had to hide my identity mm-hmm. um, and it's because I'm speaking about an abuser and then um, so it, it but it was quite interesting it, it was very interesting because I cannot relate to the old Amanda it's really it, it's as if I sometimes sit you know and I'm having a coffee and I think did I dream this or did it really because there's no evidence that, that I don't have any evidence my body's changed um, all the illnesses that I had because of drug addiction, they've gone. But there's nothing. It's just a complete three, 360. <laughs> there's, there's nothing here. So it was quite useful using um, the image in my mind of, of a lady called Kate Spencer because I could. it was easy for me to, to bring the story through somebody. Um, I don't know if that's making sense, but it, it was does. certainly easier. Yes, yeah. I understand what you're saying to be able to tell the story. And you're telling it when you're telling it through someone else, you're telling it from a different perspective. So it's almost like you're, you're, you've got a, like a, a higher view of the situation. So you can maybe see yeah. things differently. And, and it, I would imagine it was very emotional to tell the story too. And, and sometimes those yeah. emotions can block the story, right? Because it, it's yeah. hard, it's sometimes hard to get past that. So um, I, I can completely understand that and in using Kate Spencer um, as the character. So tell us about maybe some of your favorite scenes in, in the book or, or I was curious actually how you talked about um, like in the bio of your book, you talked about the spiritual bondage that you endured. Mm-hmm. Could you tell us mm-hmm. a little bit about that? Yes. Um, the, the reason I say spiritual bondage is it was more what was happening internal. It was more what was happening with my mind. Um, it was more it was more that was happening with 
the feelings because that that's the spiritual side of us you know um, identifying feelings and, and thoughts and the drug world itself how can I put this the drug world it was easy for me to overcome it because I was so trapped inside so what was happening in my environment it, it was there yes absolutely there was people taking drugs there was crime there was myself actually committing crime and taking drugs but internally it, it, it I felt like I was a little girl trapped in this drug addict's body and I shouldn't be here and I'm calling for this God there was no upbringing of of the bible or any spiritual book but I just had an intuitive I just knew I said there is there is someone something a power and I know it can hear me and I've just got to keep on crying for this power yeah. Yeah. um and right in the middle of drug addiction in fact it was my worst year because I'd lost two grandmothers in the space of six weeks um, and in the book, I talk about one of my grandmothers who I called mum. I called her mummy because she was like my, I don't even want to say second mum. She was like my first mum. Right. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I remember I sat there and I was contemplating suicide. And a little voice inside said, well, is your life really that bad? And before you know it, I'm having an internal dialogue. And I'm like, well, yeah, it is. Then the voice inside said, well, go on then have a look if you could change and if you had three wishes and you could change anything what would you change so I sat there and I was thinking back and I was thinking of incidents when I was a child when I got in trouble when I thought the world was going to come to an end and then I realized you know what that incident wasn't that bad because I ended up meeting this person and that bought this adventure so I I done like a self-reflective practice just before well the, the, the thought of suicide had come and then I was self-reflecting and I realized life isn't that bad and then intuitively I said what would I like life to look like and that is when my imagination just it's like a vision was tapping me on the shoulder and I could see myself as I am now you know helping people that have got drug addiction and being in a stable loving relationship and everything being okay it was a dream that was so far away but I just held it and every time I'd, I'd visit that dream, it would get bigger and bigger. But I felt like I want that now. I want it to explode out of me now. Yeah. Um, and that was the bondage. It was like, you can't have it because you're a drug addict. You can't, you can't. And I would argue and say, it, you know, at the time it felt like I had Jesus on one shoulder and the devil on the other. And I'd say, the right. devil, why can't I have it? Who told you? Why, why can't I have it? Just let me find out who God is and I will get it. Let me find out who this God is and I will get it. And that's exactly what happened. Wow. That, that is so, I'm just, and I know where this is audio for the listeners, but if you could see my face, my mouth is like dropped just as we're having this conversation. Cause in, in so many ways, the story is so remarkable from, from what you overcame to in what was going on inside of you during all this of having that understanding or that calling that longing that something else is here and this is going on around me, but this isn't me. This isn't my life. And as we talked about at the beginning, you were, you were, um, looking for someone else as the example, which then you became, you became the example for yourself. And so can you tell us a little bit about that now, how you've come to that point, how you became the example and maybe how your, um, your life is obviously different, but how you use that in your, in your current life to help others. Yes. Yeah, so looking for the example, 
um, you know, when when I was a drug addict, I would often sit with other drug addicts and because it, it was like a drug circle. And we often used to say, oh, it'd be lovely to come off drugs. But then when the drugs dealer arrived with the drugs, it's a different story. You don't want to come off them. But I used to always think there's got to be somebody. I would not let go of that. There has got in all of the people all the billions of people on this planet there's got to be one I just need to hear that person's story and I know that that will give me the inspiration so like I said it was like an internal mantra but in 2011 I ended up coming to prison and I had a feeling that that was going to be my last prison sentence I didn't know why it just just felt different and it was a it was a different prison sentence I'd um, started speaking to women that were not involved with drugs, whereas historically I would always be attracted to other drug users and we would run around the prison like headless chickens looking for drugs in prison. But this sentence, um, that didn't happen, um, mainly because there was a, a massive drought. There was a heroin drought and so nobody could get drugs. Mm. And I, I remember leaving the prison, walking out the prison gates, and there was a lady that prayed for me before I left she laid her hands on me and prayed and I, I didn't think nothing of it and when I got on the train to go home I'm waiting for the, the heroin urge and it wasn't there and I thought this is strange it's gone it, this, this is not normal so what I'd done was because of the with, with heroin it's always something that we the, the the user wants to control they don't want to be controlled by heroin they want to control it they want to be in control of getting that high having that high and not having to suffer so I my thinking back then was well I'm gonna have to take control here because I am gonna you know I've never heard of somebody completely coming away from heroin so I am going to go and buy the heroin before it comes and taps me on the shoulder. Uh -huh. So it's very destructive. Yeah. Um, so I did that. I stayed with a friend. Um, I, I drank alcohol. I took heroin. I took crack cocaine. But the next morning, I felt I've got to I've, I've got to get to this um, supported accommodation. I need to get because it was arranged for me to go from the prison. And I walked into the supported accommodation as a drug addict. Um, I, I met the surface provider, I met other surface users. I went to bed that night as normal. And when I woke up the next day, I did not know that I had been completely, absolutely delivered from drug addiction. I had no awareness um, that I was ever a drug addict. I, it, it wasn't like, oh my God, I'm no longer taking drugs. There was no awareness, nothing. There was no triggers. Heroin didn't talk to me like it used to through objects and through paraphernalia. There was my, my, my awareness went to a very high place. I saw things in Technicolor and everybody was just amazing. And I was like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. Yeah. Um, and this lasted for, I think it was something like three, four days. And then my mind started to see things as I used to see things, but there was still no heroin. It had gone completely. I didn't know what it was like to be addicted. Um, and so it was really frustrating for me to articulate this to somebody who was on drugs because they'd say, oh, my God, how did you do it? And I'd be like, I don't know. <laughs> it just right. happened. Yeah. Um, yeah. So 
I remained in that sector in, in working with people who have mental health and substance misuse addictions. And bit by bit, I've it, it's taken, it took me 10 years to put the pieces together. I first had to rip the mind apart. I had to rip the psychological mind apart. And the so it was the conscious mind and the subconscious mind. Um, and to see what happens. And I found that the mind is creative and the psychological program is what's running the show. So all of that came into my awareness. And I, I took to that very easy, it made sense. And then there was also working with the emotions, um, letting go of emotions that don't serve us, understanding that everything runs by law. So emotions have a law. Um, and it's only through understanding the soul realm really that I've been able to now help other people that are addicted to drugs so that is what I do I, I work in that sector oh, just such an amazing story and each time you're you're sharing another piece of this I just keep getting chills because it's just so your story is so amazing and um let's go back to the books I know we're coming up on time here but just a couple more questions um during the writing process what surprised you the most about the book how quickly I got it out, how quickly it came out. It just flowed. It yeah. literally flowed. Yeah. Yeah. It wanted to be told. It sounds like. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, yes. And what did you learn about yourself during that process? Um, I literally discovered my purpose. I, I discovered why I was created um, because that's the second book that I've written. The first book I wrote was it was rushed but it didn't feel rushed. It felt like healing. So I did write a book in 2012. Um, but since 2012 up to 2021, that was like ten, nine years. There was a lot of things that I remembered, hence why I rewrote. And, and wow. this one's called Trapped by the Devil. This is the book that's it's got the original book in it. And it's also got the the edited and, and um, the stuff that's happened since my first book. Um, so I. I learned that, my God, I am a um, a leader. That is what I am. I've literally mm -hmm. discovered how to lead myself, well, to follow the lead of, um, of, of Christ consciousness, following that lead to become the leader. Um, it, it is, it, life is phenomenal. Life really, <laughs> it really is, it's phenomenal. And I can tell your smile and just so much energy, your, your, um, the energy that shines off you as we're talking is, um, I can, I can see that. Um, so before we wrap up here, who would you say your book would appeal to and why? Um, it would appeal to, it's quite, it's got quite a wide audience. It, um, anybody that likes a true story, it would definitely appeal to somebody who's on a spiritual path. Um, um, okay. So that could be it just doesn't really matter does it it's a spiritual path or if they've got a christian belief because jesus is who i see as my savior through the book and maybe they can relate it it could also be relatable to somebody who likes crime who likes to read a crime story a success story um and i really hope that um if there's anybody who is going through drug addiction or has been through any of the, the things that I've been through, or should I say Kate Spencer went through, um, <laughs> whether it be mental health, um, domestic abuse, drug addiction, it's to find that hope. It's to, to read that dreams really, really, really do come true. 
Yeah, it's so inspirational. My guest this week has been Amanda Tweed, author of the book, Trapped by the Devil. Amanda, thank you so much for joining us this week. Thank you. Thank you. You can find more about the book, Trapped by the Devil, on Amazon, and I'll link to the book and Amanda's website in the show notes, so be sure to check that out. You've been listening to the Books on Air podcast brought to you on webtalkradio.net. You can also hear this podcast on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and Apple Podcasts. I'm Sloan Fremont, and I hope you'll join us for the next Books on Air podcast. Remember, you never know who's going to be here, and you never know what we're going to talk about. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you.